Welcome to Masters of Employee Development, Mike Acker's podcast devoted to training team members in any type of organization. As a best-selling author, corporate trainer, and business leader, I seek out guests each week to discuss training successes, challenges, and best practices. On this show, you will hear from incredible CEOs, HR directors, and other experienced managers responsible for leadership and development. Lean in, listen, and take part in a community dedicated to improving life through increasing leadership. Hey, welcome to the show. So excited for today. I have Aaron Reeder from Workspace. Aaron, welcome to Masters of Employee Development, where we're all about developing people. First of all, before we dive into the topic today, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Absolutely. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Workspace, which is a SaaS product for commercial real estate asset managers and property managers. I came to Workspace after a career in real estate. I worked for an institutional owner and real estate private equity firms and got to know the software through my then clients. Love it. And I had a chance to do some work with you and your company. So this is a chance for you to brag on somebody, maybe from your current company or a previous person that you had a chance to work with and to develop and who's having tremendous success. I love that question uh, because we've got some great answers. The person who comes to mind for me first is named JT Landenberger. We brought him in with two to three years of professional experience in a different industry to take over implementations for one of our products. And that was a huge goal from where he started, which was with zero knowledge of the industry and very little knowledge of the implementations process, which is very involved at Workspace. So what was it in him that you saw that you thought, okay, even though he doesn't have typically what we might be looking for, we think he has what it takes. Tremendous drive a proven track record of learning new skills, interest in project management. He had a project management degree. And a lot of what we did was very much dependent on proper setting and sequencing of a game plan Um, and basic, strong customer-facing skills. How long do you think it really was before you started seeing the results that you wanted to see in him? A good six months. I think the first three months we set out, as we do with all our employees, merely as what you're responsible for doing is learning. So after three months, he had some semblance of an idea what he was doing and could contribute to the role. Uh, Absolutely wasn't in a position to run it. By the end of six months, he had a firm enough grasp that we could give him small projects within that space. And by the end of nine months, I was comfortable saying, all right, you do this one. You know, I love this. We didn't even talk about this, but again and again, I almost see this kind of three, three and three months where it's the first three months, the company's losing money in developing this person. The second three months, the company finally gets to a spot where it's like, all right, we're not losing money. And then after three more months, that's when it's really gets into that spot of profitability. So that's really interesting that this situation modeled that. Do you feel that's something you've seen a lot as well? Absolutely. I kind of, I think about when we hire people, a three, six, nine, and 12 month vision for them. So the three months, typically they have very clear goals for 
what it means to successfully onboard in their role at Workspace. They also begin with a vision of 12 months from now, this is what you'll be doing. This is basically the scorecard for your role. You will have needed to achieve and be contributing these things for this to have been a success. So I do break it up and we we break our organizational planning into quarterly periods into three, six, nine, and 12 month intervals and goals. That's fantastic. The goal with this, as you know, as we talked about launching this podcast and this YouTube segment is really to provide a resource and a network for like-minded people who are interested in developing people. When you look at this and maybe someone's newer checking out this segment right here, what would you say to someone who's in that early phase of hiring someone or developing someone? Any just encouragement you have thinking about maybe JT or thinking about that three, six, nine, and 12? Absolutely. I think you've got to know what you need. And as a manager, if you don't know clearly what you're hiring to have accomplished, it's very hard to succeed because you can't hold yourself accountable for that person gaining the skills to contribute in that way. And that's something I see time and time again. So figure out what you need and what success in the role looks like, and then back into the steps to get there. That's great. I think a lot of people are hoping that people would be successful, but with not getting them the scorecard or the map to get there. And that seems to be what you're talking about right there. Yeah, we, we look at the scorecard both as a hiring tool and throughout the employee lifecycle. So before we go to hire anybody, we have a scorecard that says, okay, here are the outcomes, not the attributes, not the process. Here are the outcomes that this role needs to be achieving. And then every, and that's, this is what it means for us in this role. And everybody who interviews has to rank across those dimensions. All right, how confident am I on a scale of one to five that this person can achieve this outcome? And what evidence do I have from asking insightful interviewing interview questions, talking to references, that that's true. It also makes performance improvement plans and firing or letting people go a lot easier if people know they've been scoring low perpetually. They know they should know that something's happening. Yeah. That's on the more negative side of things. Let's talk about challenges that you've seen. So what are some of the major challenges that you've experienced, your company's experience or in previous engagements you've experienced on developing leadership? That's a great question. I think one thing that's very hard to screen for and hard to know how to develop is creativity and vision. Hmm. So when you think of leadership at a startup, um, there are all the execution things. And those I think are easier to find evidence of a track record in, and they're easier to create the scaffolding to have executed. The vision piece, the piece that's, gosh, what should the product do? Or how could we reinvent this process? That's a little bit harder in the more early stage professionals that a startup is likely to hire to gauge. That's more guesswork. I think that sometimes we hope, oh, we've got a a high attribute person. We will say, hey, go out into the world and give us a recommendation for the future of X, Y, and Z. How could we invent X, Y, and Z? And that is a pretty 
hope it works out approach to developing those components of leadership. Something that I've been working on is, is there a way to create the same kind of scaffolding in that component of skills development that you can create on the execution side? Are there smaller building blocks you can give people and we can give ourselves that enable the development of that kind of vision and creativity? I I love, I absolutely love this, Aaron. My, now you got my mind just going around and around because you've heard the three C's and, you know, Patrick Lencioni has his three elements of hiring somebody. And you really talked about not hiring somebody, but of hiring a leader, developing a leader. So it's attributes, creativity, and vision. Can you unpack a little bit more on the vision? Help me understand, help our help our listeners understand what it means when you're thinking of finding out the vision aspect. Absolutely. So if you think about the job of a leader, a super important non-negotiable component is can the leader organize their team to get the stuff that has to be gotten done, done? And that's sometimes harder than you would think. The other job of the leader, though, is, okay, now what do we need to be doing this quarter to hit these requirements or to follow through on these promises? But how do we build the systems and tools and processes for this to look really different five years from now? And I think with that piece, we have to challenge ourselves to say, okay, what's our vision for this group or this organization in five years? And what does that mean we're achieving along the way? So I think it's a combination of what are the short-term three-month execution points we've got to hit and what is the five-year vision that is attainable, you know, we're not inventing a spaceship, but part of a different future that doesn't that doesn't exist today. I, I absolutely love, love, love what you're talking about the vision here, Aaron, because I think so often it's the, and I've never even thought about it in what you're talking about. So this is, you got my mind just running now because so often we hire someone who does something really well. Mm-hmm. And that's the person we promote. Well, you did this really well and now we're going to elevate you. But what you're pointing at for everybody here is that we got to be very careful that we're not just doing this. And a lot of people know that part, but we're also seeing that they have the capacity to think for the long-term and not just for themselves. And the creativity comes into so many different areas as well. So tell me about your leadership pipeline. How are you identifying these people who have that vision, that creativity, and who are executing and have those attributes? I I think uh, to a point you just made, it's not necessarily the case that the best individual contributor should be on a path to management or leadership. And management and leadership can be the same or two different things, um, typically intersect. I think in the development of leadership, you're looking for, or we're looking for some core skills, judgment, ability to motivate a team, ability to listen to multiple perspectives with an open mind, and then come to your own conclusion. An understanding of accountability. You know, it's moving from do X, Y, Z to you may not be doing any of X, Y, and Z, but you're responsible and accountable for the fact that X, Y, or Z does or doesn't happen. Uh, Those are some of 
the things that we think about in thinking about who's good leadership material. Coachability, uh, because so much of leadership and management depends on being able to learn and adapt based on the feedback that you get from the people you work with, the people you work for, and the people who work for you. I love that. When I was working with one of the the team members that you have, they came with their questions ready. So this coachability, I can see this is something that you're bringing in to your entire team. Let's make sure you're coachable. And of course, you and the CEO of the company, Vivek, very coachable as well. And I can see you guys collaborating in all these different areas. Is there something that you're developing? I know this is a startup. Is there something that you're developing as a training program for those potential leaders? Yeah, there are some universal skills that we think are important. Um, Some of them are, I would say, on the softer skills side of things. When we look at our team, we're looking at creating first-time managers for the most part when we look at leadership promotion. And so that's how to give and receive feedback, how to create alignment, how to set and track goals. There are three things that I think are really critical to being a good leader that we want to teach our rising leaders are the things that matter. And those are about creating alignment, clarity, and accountability. So our training and our training modules relate to what does it mean to create alignment? What does alignment look like? How do you know when you have it? How do you communicate clearly and consistently? Yes, we change things all the time. We're a startup. Um, It's not that we don't change. It's that we're very, very clear on why the change relates to the long-term goal, vision, dream, aspiration. Um, And accountability is how do you create the right really small, medium, and larger frameworks for everybody getting the things done that they're supposed to get done, including you as the manager and leader who are ultimately responsible for what happens. I think you just actually answered the next question I was going to ask, which is really what's the criteria for those who are on your team? And you talked about that alignment and that clarity. Is there anything else that you're looking for? I mean, I I know that you're constantly hiring, constantly talking to people about who's next on the team. And I know there's a couple different frameworks, like we mentioned, for just someone on the team, those contributors. What Beyond what you just said, is there other things that you're looking for that, that we shouldn't miss out on here? Yes. So number one is it, it can be role specific, and that's where the scorecard for the role and really understanding what we're looking for and looking for evidence of that and collecting as much evidence of that as possible is important. There's a baseline intellectualism that we look for. So we have a really standard uh, tool called a wonderlick that we use as a first screening mechanism. If you don't score a certain score as a baseline on the intellectual component of the wonderlick, let's stop here. Um, So that is a, a basic screening tool. We have exercises for different roles that are designed to assess things like problem solving, um, writing skills, communication skills, technical skills. So depending on the role, we may look at that. The other thing I would say is it's important to know, it's important for us to know what it means to be a fit with a company, particularly when you're in a small company like Workspace. So we did the work early on to come up with what are our core values And we do think at the end of each scorecard, how does this candidate map against those five values? 
And that one is a little bit more of a feel and a little bit less evidence-based. But can this person give examples of ways they've solved for the bottleneck? Can this person give examples of ways they've tried to be helpful to others? Can this person give examples of promoting, initiating, and taking the steps to further their own growth? Those are things we know are important to us. So we look in our interviewing process for evidence that there will be a fit uh, between that person and those cultural values. The genius about some of those values that you said is they don't even have to be something systematic that's on the sheet. I mean, it'd be systematic maybe on the side sheet, but you could weave it in in one of those questions like that is sort of off the cuff in quotation marks just yeah. to see how they they do. I love what one company does where they they have a core value of treating every single person like they're the most valuable person. So the first person they meet when they're interviewing is the receptionist mm-hmm. as a receptionist. And they want to make sure that they treat the receptionist with incredible value, even though they're this large company. It's kind of a tricky way to assess that. Oh, those are great ways to do it. And in the Zoom era, a basic problem-solving skills and ability to to react to challenges are easy. Invariably, somebody's connection doesn't work. Somebody's link doesn't work. Somebody can't get into the meeting. Um, It freezes. It crashes. So you get a lot of small bits of live feedback on, for instance, problem solving ability and coolness under pressure. I feel like you just targeted with me with that because after being on Zoom all day <laughs> and here we are on my eighth call of the day and it would not start at the very beginning. So uh, I didn't know you were, you were interviewing me, but very <laughs> interesting. So when you look at all of these processes what is it that's behind everything, the big system? Why are you doing this? What's the big why? To look, use Simon Sinek's, why are you honing in on leadership this way? Why are you honing in on team this way? And you've already mentioned it in passing, but why is it that this is all so important to you? Because I firmly believe that this is what will make the company succeed. You can take 10, 20, 1,000 talented individuals, and without the right framework for goal setting and tracking, without the right framework for uh, creating alignment and clarity and accountability, without the right interpersonal relationships to understand how to help a person go from point A to point B, because invariably all of us in our roles get stuck somewhere on our journey, the company will peter out. The growth of the company, the success of the company depends on every individual growing so that they can do more to contribute to the company that keeps them motivated, that keeps the company moving forward. And it is the job of the leader to figure out how to do that. That's what a leader owes their people is a path toward and support in the growth that is good for them and ultimately benefits the company. When you look at all this, I love the intentionality and I and I know that about you, you're a hard-driven, very a sharp person and so is uh, the CEO of the company. And so as you guys are looking at this, are there any, without saying their names, any negative models of other companies or stereotypes of other companies that you just say, I don't want to be like A, B, and C because it seems like they do this? Yeah, so 
I think there are some legacy companies that like to keep people in their place and want to hold on to people at all costs. And that I don't think is ultimately valuable to the team or valuable to the company. Workspace is a small company. And in an ideal world, there would be a leadership path for everybody who wants one. But there's not. There probably is not a leadership path for every employee that we have. Works out because not everybody's looking for that. (laughs) The thing that I try to think about and be very sincere about is we are investing in you for the sake of workspace and also for the sake of you. So let's be really clear. We will give you marketable skills. I will, if I ever leave workspace and hopefully, hopefully I won't, I'm doing this for the next 60 years. I will have developed more marketable skills there than I had when I came in. And that's something that I want to give everybody. So yes, you're doing this for the benefit of the company. You're also doing this for the benefit of you. And so we are investing you and we are very aligned on investing in you wherever you wind up. And hopefully we can create the right roles for you here. And if not, go, like go use your skills, go try something new, go with our full support and blessing. Hopefully we built the right organizational structures so that we can support that. Uh, But that's what I, that's what I want. And I see a lot of companies that take a different tact. And and I believe the enlightened approach is the one that is always expansive and forward-looking for everybody and not quashing for anybody. Because I don't think quashing and keeping people in a box is the best long-term path for the organization or the people. I love that you you came onto the essence of what, what I think it's Zig Ziglar who once said, if you help enough people get to where they want to go, then people will help you get where you want to go. And not that train up and keep or control, but train up and release, train up and release, train up and release. And if they don't want to be released and they want to stay like you do for 60 years, then you get to build something incredible together. And it's not because they're obligated to, or they're stuck or they're not marketable, but instead it's because they're empowered and they love it. And they found their faith, uh, their, their fit and their family, two words combined. And I love that about what you guys are doing. And thank you so much for being a part of this. Any final things that you would say to your peers, to other people who are in charge of doing what you're doing, raising up the team and, and making sure that they're enacting the vision of the company? Invest in yourself too. So we all have a bag of tricks that we come with. Um, And those tricks can be, they can be trotted out in terms of how we manage or develop people. But eventually the bag of tricks, you know, it gets kind of thin. And in order to keep developing everybody else, I have found it's pretty important to keep developing and expanding my own ways of thinking, of doing things, find other people who are managing teams or processes in a different way that you can learn from. Find a coach, find a peer, um, but make sure you keep moving too, because that's how you can best sustain growth in the team and the organization. Hey, those are some incredible last words for our show from Aaron Reeder from Workspace and really invest in yourself. Take the time to connect with other professionals. We created this podcast, this show for you, the segment of the YouTube show for you to connect with other people 
just like you so that you can develop, so that you can have that support group around you. So Aaron, thank you so much for being a part of the brand new segment, Masters of Employee Development. Thank you, Mike, for having me. And thanks for creating this community for us. If you like this, go ahead and take a moment and subscribe, like, share with others. Until next week, looking forward to sharing more content with you. Thanks for listening to Masters of Employee Development. Do you know someone who would be a great guest? Send them to mikeacker.com forward slash apply. Do you want the show notes? Go to connect.mikeacker.com. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and give a review on Amazon or iTunes or your favorite platform.